0: This podcast is a presentation of Nags Head Church. Stay tuned and find us online at nagsheadchurch.com and on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at nagsheadchurch. Good morning. Good morning. Oh, much better. Um, I love going on a trip, uh, and I enjoy the journey. Misha and I, we celebrate next summer 30 years of marriage. Woo! Hey, 27 of those were pretty good, <laughs> pretty good years. Um, and, and we're thinking about where can we go, you know, a trip on this, 30 is a big deal, I think. Where can we go on a trip, a journey to celebrate our 30 years together? And so we've been bouncing multiple ideas around in our minds right now, kind of going through some ideas. One of my favorite places to go, if you know me, obviously is Maui, right? How many have been to Maui? Amen. Maui no ka'oi. So uh Maui's one of my favorites. I love Maui. I'd be happy to pack up and go to Maui right now. I would leave. Uh, but the other journey I'm kicking around is back to my homeland, the place of my roots, England. Go to Maui. Did you know? <laughs> <laughs> You're right. <laughs> Amen. Okay, it's been decided. So there's like four paragraphs on my message gone right now. <laughs> Thank you for that. So, I want to kick around going to England. Uh, my brother Rick and, and a cousin that we recently discovered, we have family, our family's not like really tight-knit all together. We, we've never had a family reunion for real. So there's cousins out there, I don't know. But Rick and this cousin that I don't even know, I just know him from Facebook, right? That's how we get to know our friends and our families on Facebook now. Or if you're older, the Facebook. And um, so... Uh, I want to go back there, and one of the places I've been looking at a couple weeks ago, I found myself on the Google, I'll just do it that way, just to help you follow some of you, I was Googling, it's not a dance move, but it could be, I was Googling, and I was looking at Bristol, Bristol, England, and uh, I was checking that out, because some of our family, that's where they lived and where they were from, and so I thought, what can we do in Bristol? So I Googled it. Well, I researched Bristol. What are the things to do to see? Most importantly, what restaurants, right? Half of this room, you don't, maybe you don't even know this, but half of the people in this room are on vacation right now, right? How many of you are on vacation? Amen. Boy, that's nice going on vacation, isn't it? So half of you, you know, you're on vacation. Some of you, and this isn't a proven statistic. I'm just making these up. But probably, you know, like ten percent of you before you came on vacation, you got on the Google and you like restaurants, Nags Head, restaurants, Outer Banks, right? And you started searching Mama Quan's, <laughs> right? Miller's, steak and seafood, Miller's by the water front. So you started. How many of you actually looked for the restaurants? Okay, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right, you can go on vacation with me. If you didn't, you're you're out of luck. I that's one of the first places I look. And I was looking at Bristol restaurants, even the menus, you know. That's important to me. Eating is important to stay alive. So um so I was doing that. And uh and then I was looking uh, you know, should I take the train from London to Bristol or should we rent a car? Um thank you. See we're getting it all planned. If, if I work this all out right now, we'll be good. Um, should we take a train? This might be a funny thing. I'm not really into geography. Is it geography where places are located? Okay, thanks. Um, should we take a train from 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 Bristol to Ireland? I don't even know if that's possible. No? Okay, well, they need to make it possible because that would be cool going under the ocean or sea, water, whatever that is between the two. Um Do we fly from Bristol to Dublin? i got to go to Dublin. I want to go to Bristol, to the Bristol Cathedral, and I want to go to Dublin because our family has a castle there, and it's still there, but we have no ownership in it. But I just want to at least go look at it and touch it and say my family was once here, you know? And so looking at that, I looked at Airbnb, vacation rental by owner. Um, I looked at Hotels.com. I looked at Expedia. I looked at AAA, those places to see. What does it even cost to stay in those places? you got to know what it's going to cost and where to stay. So I was looking at that. And, and I was reading reviews on some of the things. So that was fun for me. And I start I start researching my journey to my destination. And uh, now I don't know if we'll go to England and Ireland. I don't know if that'll even happen. Um, I don't know if you can wear flip-flops in England, if that's even acceptable. If it's not, I'm out. Um, so that's a big deciding factor. But I do know that when you plan for a trip, you think about the destination. Where am I going, right? Where am I gonna end up? And you start packing according to your destination. If I'm going somewhere where it's cold, I'm gonna pack a parka, right, and some warm clothes. If I'm going where it's hot, I'm gonna pack shorts and t-shirts. And so you start thinking about that. And then you start, uh, you're planning your budget, right? And you think about your destination. You gotta strategically think about what is this actually gonna cost? for us to do how can we cut corners and then you start thinking about saving money right to save for this trip towards your destination when you look when you're looking at a certain destination part of, part of the journey is the planning and the preparation to get onto your destination to make it to your destination so today i want to talk about the fact that our faith is a journey but the journey is not the focus the destination is and our faith is believing in what we cannot see so if you would, turn to Hebrews chapter 11. This morning, I'm going to read verses 12 through 16. If you don't have a Bible, there's one stuck under some of the chairs in front of you, around you. Hebrews eleven, twelve 12 to 16 says, and so a whole nation came from this one man who was as good as dead, a nation with so many people that like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore, there is no way to count them. All these pi- people "'died still believing what God had promised them. "'They did not receive what was promised, "'but they saw it all from a distance and welcomed it. "'They agreed that they were foreigners "'and nomads here on earth. "'Obviously, people who say such things "'are looking forward to a country they can call their own. "'If they had longed for their country they came from, "'then they would have gone back. "'But they were looking for a better place, "'a heavenly homeland. "'That is why God is not ashamed to be called their God, "'for he has prepared them, prepared a city, For them, So faith is a journey. And from the moment we put our faith in Jesus Christ, we begin this journey towards our final destination. So on our journey, first of all, faith doesn't quit. If you look at verse 13, it says, all these people died still believing what God had promised them. When you watch movies with heroes, whether they're superheroes, they have superpower, or they're normal humans that are the heroes of the story, Um, when you watch these movies, you see that the hero fights to the very end. Rocky Balboa always fought to the very end, right? That's why we have like seven or 20 Rocky movies, because he fought to the very end. He did not quit. Why? Because we love, when we watch a movie, we love a hero who does not give up. In fact, If you're watching a movie and the hero did give up, you would say, what a lame storyline. That's a terrible movie. I'm not going to watch that again because the hero never gives up, right? The hero doesn't quit. Heroes of the faith do not give up, and they did not give up. They kept going to the very end, every step of the way. They were believing in what God had promised them. We don't find one single hero in this chapter that fell away, that quit on God, that gave up. Because faith doesn't quit. Abel, he didn't quit tending those sheep. He didn't give up because he thought his sacrifice wouldn't matter. He didn't give up because, you know, sheep are stupid and they smell. He didn't quit. Abel raised them up and sacrificed the best. Enoch, he lived to please God daily in his life. Enoch did not give up um, living to please his God. If Enoch did give up, we wouldn't read about him in this chapter. Noah didn't give up. I'm sure he probably wanted to, I know I would have. Um he spent you know, over 100 years building this ark, working daily, building this boat, something he had never seen before, because it's going to flood, something he had never experienced before that had never happened. And all the while, people scoffed him, made fun of him, but Noah didn't give up. Abraham, he left his home to follow God to a place he had never been, a place he did not know. He left his home, everything he knew. He he had no children, and he really believed that God was going to make him into a great nation and bless him that way. If he would have given up and turned around and went back home, we would not read about Abraham in this chapter, in this hall of faith. Sarah, she was old, really old. Yet God, her faith was in God that he would would deliver what he promised and that she would have a son. She did not give up. Did, Did Abraham and Sarah mess up? Certainly they messed up at times. But did they give up? Never. Their faith continued. Faith does not give up and walk away. One of the hardest things about pastoring is watching people who once followed Christ, who were once on fire for Jesus Christ, decide that, you know what? Hey, the way I lived before, I want to go back there, right? Abraham could have done that. Ah, this is too much. I'm going to go back home. So one of the most frustrating and irritating and hard things as a pastor is to watch when you see people do that time after time. This abundant life that Jesus brings, they don't want it anymore, which doesn't make sense to me. Uh, This full life that Jesus gives, they don't want it. I want to go back. I'm going to walk away from my faith. So they throw in the towel. They give up on faith, and then from then on, their life is filled with misery, trouble, and heartache unless they return to a right relationship with God. So faith's a journey, and faith doesn't quit. Our faith also sets us apart from the world. Verse 13, it says, They agreed that they were foreigners and nomads here on earth. When I was 14, uh, my dad became a missionary, and uh, I think it was around 14, and we moved to the island of Maui. And I know somebody has to do it. Some of you are going, Yeah, right, missionary, Maui. Hey, Hawaiians need Jesus. So we moved to Maui, and uh, I remember we got there in the summertime, and the week after we moved into our home, a, a team of students from Liberty University, where they come out every summer, they're still there, 50 years they've been doing this. And they're, they're there right now at doing camps. And so this team came and did a camp, and so my dad took me, because I was there so late, I didn't have time to register and get, become part of the camp, but I went to the camp with my dad for about three days to help, to do whatever I could to help at this camp. And, and so, because I love to cook, and because I love food, I ended up, I found myself in the camp's kitchen. And and, and there were these three ladies um, of Asian and Hawaiian descent cooking. And they were so nice to me. They knew I was new there. And they started talking to me. They were asking me all kinds of questions and talking to me and talking to me. And I was catching about one out of every five words, right? I was going, I know I hear English every now and then, but I, I don't know what they're saying to me. And then they would laugh. Right? Because they, I'm pretty sure they were laughing at me because they're like, this kid doesn't know what we're saying. Right? So I, I heard, I knew I was in America. Right? But, but I was not here. And I was, I moved from Central Virginia, right? To Hawaii. Look, in 1980, Lynchburg, Virginia discovered its first taco. I mean, they've been around forever. So that's kind of what I moved to from, You know, where all you eat was fried chicken, meatloaf, and spaghetti. And I moved to a land where all kinds of wonderful food. So I found myself in the kitchen with these ladies. And I realized at that point when they were talking to me as a kid, I was like, man, I'm not in Lynchburg anymore. I'm a foreigner. I'm in America, but I'm still a foreigner. I don't understand what they're saying. About 15 years ago, I got the um, wonderful opportunity to go to the Philippines on a mission trip. It was amazing. It was unbelievable. Spent about 11 days there. And I went with two friends, Brad and um, Bruce. Bruce is about 6'4", about 275 pounds, right? Now, I know I'm a short man. In the Philippines, I wasn't so short. And, and I, I know I'm overweight. You don't have to tell me that. I stood out in the crowd, right? I even had one little kid at the school ask me if I was in the WWF or one of those wrestling things. No, <laughs> oh, man. So we go to the Philippines, and I don't know where I was. Like, I would call Misha to check in. She's like, where are you? I have no idea. I'm in the Philippines somewhere, right? And so we're staying in this house, which is also the church. So the living room was the auditorium for the church, the church met in this house. And that's where the th- three of us stayed. And, and so we're there. And, you know, when you go on mission trips, you get the speeches like, you know, whatever they feed you, you need to eat, graciously accept it, and eat it and enjoy it, and be thankful, because they spend a lot of their hard-earned money to buy that food, you know. You go through the whole training on that. So we had a lady that would come in. Two ladies from the church would come cook for us every day. And, and it, food was great. I mean, I was eating everything they were throwing, putting out. I would eat it. Sometimes I didn't even know what it was, but I was eating it. Well, and this is going to shock some of you. Some of you already know. I'm not a huge seafood fan. I know I live in the wrong place for that. Not a huge seafood fan. I I like chicken and I like beef, right? So one night, the cooks aren't, they're they're sitting in the living room with us talking to me and Bruce, and Brad's in the kitchen with the pastor. The pastor has decided he's going to cook his favorite meal, right? So pretty soon as I'm sitting there, I smell seafood. And I'm like, oh, Lord, come now. I don't want to offend this brother in the Lord. So I said, Bruce, man, it smells like seafood. in Bruce, he's like, I know. And I said, well, let, let's go check it out. So we go into the kitchen. I don't like seafood, and I don't like to eat food that stares back at me. <laughs> there was this, this black fish. I don't even know what kind of fish it was. It was about that big, in a skillet, just frying. I think the scales were off, but everything else was there. And its eyeball was just staring at me. You know, I said, like, it's too late. So it's staring at me, and I'm thinking, I don't know, God, I can't, I need a miracle. And at that moment, the miracle happened. Bruce looked at me, he goes, Andy, I went, what, he goes, McDonald's. Bruce and I went to McDonald's. <laughs> we said, we don't want to offend you, Pastor, but we're not eating that. So the little ate was a cook, took us to McDonald's. We went outside of the house and they have these things called jeepneys. They're a truck with a covered back. It pulls up. It's like a taxi. It's like Uber, but you put 25 people in it. It pulls up and it's small and Bruce and I crawl in, which was fun watching Bruce get in. And then I get in there. And when it stopped, you could hear all the people chit chatting. And when we got in, it just went dead silent. And we got this right and it would stop and pick up kids they were they were leaving school going home and it would pick them up along the way and they'd be laughing and joking and then they'd get in and i was like ooh so then we get to McDonald's and they open the door and the pop american pop music is playing the the little girl behind the counter singing every word right along and i step up to the counter and when we first when we opened the doors it got quiet in the whole McDonald's right it just went silent except for Britney Spears coming through the stereo and so this girl was singing every word she she stops and goes, May I help you? She didn't normally speak English. She could sing English, but she couldn't. So I gave her my order. It's beautiful. McDonald's in the Philippines has fried chicken, and I'm not talking that pink paste they squeeze into a fryer and call it a nugget. All right, chickens don't have nuggets. And it wasn't a strip. It wasn't a you know a chicken tender. Right? That's why kids are all messed up because they eat tenders. It was full. Chicken on the bone, fried chicken. I was, hallelujah. I was thinking about poor Brad back there eating that fish that was staring at him. And I was just eating the chicken breast and leg and the thigh. And they had a rice ball in this little paper thing like you would get your French fries in. This is amazing. And we sat down and the people were staring at us. And there was one little kid that would not break the stare for him. He just quit eating. And the, the cook, the lady from the church that was with us to keep us safe, she said, A lot of these people, probably most of them, have never seen an American live and in person. And I was like, we are foreigners, right? I knew when the door opened and it went dead quiet, and I looked around, I was like, I'm a foreigner here. I don't live here. I don't fit in. I'm obviously standing out in the crowd. Foreigners stand out in the crowd. It's obvious. How obvious is it that you're a child of God? Um... This A worldview, and we talk about worldviews, a worldview is a particular philosophy of life or conception of the world. And we, and we can take on a couple of worldviews. First of all, we can take our culture's worldview, what our culture and world around us believes and thinks. We can take that on as our worldview. Or we can take on a biblical worldview. Example, our culture says, if it makes you happy, it's okay, right? And we all know that you can't make everyone happy. Someone's got to be sad. You know, it just doesn't work out. If, if it makes you happy, it's okay. The biblical worldview says if, it, if what makes you happy is a sin and goes against God's word, it is not okay. That's the biblical worldview. Um, I've heard Christians make the statement in the past few years that show me that many Christians um, are taking on our culture's worldview rather than a biblical worldview. A couple of examples. I had a believer say to me about a Christian couple who was living together but not married, say to me, they're living together, but I think it's for the best. And I pause, I'm like, how can that be? It goes against God's word, right? It's not best. Um, I've had another uh, Christian person say to me um, about their divorce. Our divorce was a good thing. And, and in that divorce, there was no physical or verbal abuse. Um, there was no affair. It was the follow the statement, we just didn't love each other anymore. So it's good. it was a good thing. That's, that's our culture's worldview. It's not a biblical worldview. Our world says it's okay to throw in the towel just to quit. Our world says look out for number one. The Bible says humble yourself, serve others. So there's this opposition there. Our faith says you live out God's word even when it's tough and hard to do. The litmus test, I think that's the right word I'm looking for, is litmus. I don't use that in everyday conversation. The litmus test, I can't even say it. The litmus test for checking to see if I'm living as a foreigner, if I'm just passing through, I'm not setting setting up home in this world. The test is this, am I taking on the culture's worldview? Is that how I'm starting to think, like the world around me that doesn't know Christ? Is the culture around me rubbing off on me and changing me rather than God's word changing me? You see, when I arrived on Maui, I couldn't understand a lick of what those three sweet little old ladies were saying. Grandma Tabita, she was this big. She was in there cooking, and and she became my Maui grandma. She made the best chicken heka I have never had. I didn't even know what that was. She got me to eat tofu. And if you know me, that's a feat because I eat meat, Right? But Grandma Tabita, Auntie Sarah, Sarah Nakaito became Auntie Sarah. She made the best banana cream pie in the state of Hawaii. She won the blue ribbon in this Hawaii State Fair for banana cream pie. I, I love these ladies. And, and I got to hang around them more and more. And pretty soon I found, hey, I can understand what they're saying. I'm starting to pick up what they're saying to me. Um, I couldn't understand a lot what they were saying, but... Uh, That's because their culture had not rubbed off on me yet. But within several months, I was fluent in Hawaiian pigeon and could understand every word and every conversation, and I could speak it myself. Are you ready? You ready for a sentence or two? I got to get in the right mode, all right? You got to change gears. All right, so I'll translate because if you speak in tongues, you're supposed to translate. So here we go. Oh, brah, Grandma Tobito went make some onolicious grinds. My opus stay ready for bus. Bombay, I keep eating like that. I go on maki. What did I say? I said, Grandma Tobito's cooking is so good. I'm eating so much, my stomach's about to blow up. If I keep eating like that, I'm going to die. Right? Are we gonna? Are we doing the same thing with our culture? You know, what happened was I could understand and speak it, and by the way... Hawaiian Pigeon is now recognized by the U.S. federal government as a legit language. Somehow I got a master's degree and I never took Spanish, I never took French, but now I'm bilingual. (laughs) So how did this happen? It took time, but I, I took on the culture. I settled in. Are we doing the same thing with our culture? Are we settling in? and okay with it, even though the culture around us, their worldview, is heading in the opposite direction from God's word. Our faith should set us apart. There should be a clear difference. Our faith desires something better. Verse 16, but they were looking for a better place. There was this drive within them to find a better place. In Abraham's faith journey, we see Abraham moving towards the promised land. But we see that Lot, his nephew, settled, right? He settled in. And when Lot did that, that's when Lot got in trouble. I shouldn't settle because my faith should drive me to desire something better. But too often, we settle. For 26 years in student ministry, I watched young men and young women settle. And I would teach on relationships from time to time, boyfriend, girlfriend issues. And I would encourage students not to settle. Why? Because Too often I would watch students settle for a relationship that wasn't the best. You see, God has the best in plan for each one of us. And I would watch students settle. I like a good cheeseburger. I love to eat a good cheeseburger. But I would much rather have a New York strip, right? I'd rather have a big old juicy steak. So I would ask students, why settle for a cheeseburger when you can have a New York strip? If you invited me out to eat with you today, and, and you're more than welcome to do this, and you said, Andy, anywhere on the Outer Banks, your option, your choice, wherever you want to go, why would I settle for McDonald's and Kill Devil Hills, right? A happy meal. Why would I settle for that when just down the road is a place called Owens and they know how to cook a steak? Some of you only go there and eat seafood. You need to break away and try some beef right? Why would I settle for cheeseburger when I could have Owens? Why settle when God has something way better in store for you? My mind says that settling is basically giving up. Settling is stopping. When I settle in my faith journey, I give up on growing. I give up on being stretched. I get comfortable with where I'm at. And those are the times... Um, when I'm being settled, those are the times in life when we can go days, weeks, months, or even years without picking up the Bible and reading it for ourselves. If my Bible is collecting dust, then I've settled in my faith journey. God's Word reveals those areas that need growth and need repair and need obedience to Him. So let's be honest. It is easy to settle. It's hard to work on growing in your faith in this faith journey. The heroes of the faith, they didn't settle. They desired something better. There was something better that they were after. And then this, our faith has a destination. Verse 14, obviously, it says, obviously people who say such things are looking forward to a country they can call their own. These great heroes of the faith, they set the example for us. Uh, they didn't turn around when the going got tough. They didn't give up. They didn't settle. They pressed on. Verse 15 says, if they really longed, For the country they came from, they could have gone back. But they didn't. They pressed on. When life got hard for these heroes of the faith, they kept going. Why? Because they had a destination. Enoch walked with the Lord daily. And I'm sure there were times in Enoch's life that that was difficult to do. Why? Because we live in a fallen and broken world. I'm sure there were times he could have given up on the destination. I'm sure that building that ark was difficult for Noah. He could have given up, just gone back to his normal life. Abraham could have turned around just gone back home. But they had this destination in mind that they were heading to. None of them went back because they knew their faith was taking them to a destination. They were focused on what God had promised, on what was in store for them. Our citizenship as Christ followers is in heaven. We're just passing through, just passing through earth. Where we live right now is just a place on the journey. This is just a spot on the journey. This is not our final destination. When we go on vacation, a journey, we prepare for our final destination. Some of you, because I saw you driving in yesterday, you were prepared for your destination, right? You get that big thing on top, the big bag, roof bag, stuff full of luggage. I don't know how we get people in our cars sometimes when we go on trips, right? You prepare for your destination, and, and that's where you're heading, This isn't our final destination. Prepare for your destination. What do we do? What we do in life should be pointing to our final destination, eternity in heaven with our Savior and our Lord. What we're doing this morning in this room together is preparation. It's prep work. It's practice for what we'll be doing for all of eternity together. Our destination is we're going to worship God for all of eternity together. So if I bug you a little bit, (laughs) we get to spend eternity together. But don't be upset. They call that heaven, right? We're going to spend eternity worshiping our Lord and Savior, worshiping God together for all of eternity. What we do now here on this planet is prep work for our final destination. Just like when you go on the Google and prep for your vacation, this is the prep work for our final destination location because we're nomads just passing through these great heroes of the faith they believed without seeing abraham he didn't get to see this huge nation of people even though he couldn't see it he pressed towards um he pressed towards his destination and that's faith Hebrews was 1 faith shows the reality of what we hope for it is the evidence of the things we cannot see so like abraham we are nomads just living in a temporary space until we reach our final destination. And then this, faith keeps the end in sight. Verse 13 says, they saw it from a distance and welcomed it. They believed what God promised them, and they kept the promise in front of them. Paul reminds us to do the same thing. In Philippians chapter 3, verses 13 and 14, he says, No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling me. One time we were driving around in the van, taking care of some errands and some shopping. And as the parents of twins, uh, I understand the struggle between Jacob and Esau. I mean, it was real, right? So I'm in the van with the kids And and I go through the list. And parents, you can relate. And when we were kids, we remember hearing the speech. I told the kids that if everyone behaved, right? You got to raise your voice. If everyone behaved, if there's no picking on each other, if there's no fighting in this van, if there's no whining, right? Oh, whining. Oh. If there's no complaining, right? We know the list. We could go on. But I told him, if you do these things, we would go to surfing Spoon, right, for a bowl of that probiotic goodness. Parenting skill number one, bribery. So along the way, there started to be a little disturbance rise up from the back seat of the van. And I heard my eldest son, before I could interject as the father and take control, I heard my eldest son Spout forth the wisdom of the ages. Ty said this. He said, Eli, keep your eyes on the prize. I didn't have to say anything. I was like, yes. (laughs) Ty wanted yogurt just as bad as I did, right? (laughs) So uh, he said, keep your eyes on the prize. Don't get distracted from our potential destination. That's what he was telling them. Look, if we mess up, there's no surfing spoon. Listen, as a child of God, our our destination is not a potential destination. It's it's guaranteed. Listen to the words of Jesus, John 14, 2. There is more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? We need to keep our eyes on the prize, on the destination. This, This life now Is not our destination so my question is why are so many Christians living like it is why is our investments in here and now instead of eternal investments where things don't rust or destroy or fade away this is not our destination so the question I want us to leave today thinking about is this am I living like the here and now is my destination or in my faith journey Am I focused on my destination and living a life in preparation for my destination? Let's pray. Father God, I thank you so much for your word. And Lord, it's a, it's a map to life. And God, this, this faith we're in right now, this faith journey, we are traveling through life that you've called us to, this life that you've given us. Lord, help us to be reminded that where we're at, the here and now, what we do, this is not our final destination, but that everything we are focusing on as Christ followers in our faith is our destination that lies ahead. God, eternity with you. And God, help us to invest in eternity. God, by sharing your faith, our faith with others and telling them about your love. God, by living a life that's an example, that shows, hey, there's a difference. We're, we're foreigners here. There's something different about us, God, so that people will be curious to know so that they could become nomads just like us traveling through. God, help us to focus on our faith journey. But most of all, God, in that, keep us focused on our destination. In your name I pray, amen. This has been a presentation of Nags Head Church. Love God, love others, reach the world.